Welcome to the God Life Podcast with Pastor Amechi. We started on Sunday looking at this, and we're looking at how the prolific church functions. Pastor told us that in understanding or working as a prolific church, we must have an understanding of the kingdom of God. During the IPPC, Pastor told us that the church for many years has functioned more like an organization and not as a kingdom, and that this year we're going to function as a kingdom. The Church of Jesus Christ is not just an organization. It is a kingdom. It is the kingdom of God. Praise God. And in understanding the kingdom, we need to know what the kingdom is, who is in the kingdom, are we in the kingdom, what does it mean to be a part of God's kingdom. I just want us to look at the scriptures and look at um, the king himself. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, that is Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, what this means here is the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. The very first book of Matthew, the very first chapter of Matthew, was written to convince, especially the Jewish mind, that Jesus is a Christ. And the proof of Jesus being the Christ is that he is or must be the son of David. Now, it says, the book of the genealogy or generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I want you to take note of that. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Because God caught two covenants in the Old Testament. You have the Davidic covenant and you have the Abrahamic covenant. Many are acquainted with the Abrahamic covenant and not many understand the Davidic covenant. Through the Abrahamic covenant, God willed the world to the Christ. The Bible says in Galatians, it says the promise that was made that he was going to be the heir of the world was made not just to Abraham, but to Abraham and his seed. And um, Paul, talking about this, says that Abraham and his seed, he didn't say seeds as of many, but seed, signifying that this seed was a particular seed. You know, particular seed. So we know that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. But when we look at Matthew chapter 1, verse, verse 1, we see that he's also the seed of David. There's another covenant. And this is the Davidic covenant. Let's look at verse 17. Verse 17, Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, look at the order. The genealogy started from Abraham to David to the carrying away to Babylon and from the kind of way to Babylon to the birth of Christ. Three fourteens. 
Okay, so let's look at the Davidic covenant. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7. Let's read from verse number, let's look at verse 1. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said, unto, and said to the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. All right, so um, David wanted to start out something. He spoke to Nathan, and that's something amazing. You know, David was a king, and he had wise counsel. You know, he had prophets, prophets of God as counselors. And he discussed his ideas with even the prophet. He sought counsel, you know. And look at what the prophet said. The prophet said, go ahead and do it. And Nathan said to the king, go, do it. Next verse. And the word of the Lord, and it came to pass that night, that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, go and tell David my servant, thus saith the Lord, Shall thou build me a house to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, speak I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now, I want you to take note of this. God was not rebuking David. He wasn't. In fact, God was amazed at David's um, manner of thinking, his mindset, very impressed with him. He said, How come this thought came to you? Because when you, when you started the scriptures, you would know that it's always been God's idea to build a temple. The temple was not David's idea. It was God's idea. You know, because remember this. That temple was eventually built according to the pattern of an already existing temple in heaven. You know, so there's a temple in heaven and God knew that there was going to be a temple on earth. There was eventually going to be a temple on earth. But nobody thought of doing it. When David sat down and allowed his mind to go in that direction, it was actually the Spirit of God or David giving himself to the Spirit of God and to the thoughts of the Spirit. 
That's the same thing that happens in the New Testament. The Bible says it is God who works in you to give you a thought, to give you a will, to give you a mind. Then he gives you the ability to do that will and do that mind. You know, he brings thoughts to you. So Nathan was impressed with David's way of thinking. Nobody's thought about this. That means this was new thoughts, fresh thoughts, fresh thoughts, a new way of thinking. Next verse. Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep court, from following the sheep and from from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have caught all thy enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in a, place, in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them anymore as before time. Praise God. It's amazing how God knows a rented property and an owner-occupied property. Look at that. He said, my children have been moving from one place to another. Then he says, I will appoint to them a place of their own. I will give them a place of their own. Then he says, so that they will not be under the affliction of a child of wickedness, a son of wickedness. I remember many years ago, it was a building project, a builder's day. I went somewhere, and I'll share with them, I'll share with the church, showing them that God wants you to have your own property. He wants you to have your own property so that you don't be under the hand of, 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 of children of wickedness. You know, you have some churches. Maybe they are not able to pay the rent and the landlord will come and he will lock the, 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 the doors of the church and keep them out. Maybe they are just late one month and the man says, you can't meet anymore. A child of wickedness, the children of God. And God says, I, I can see this. I will give you a place of your own. Now, this may be for Israel about land, but it can apply to any other thing. God doesn't want you as a child of the kingdom to be under duress, to be under um, 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 the taxation of wicked and unreasonable men. The Bible says that the hand of the wicked will not oppress you. You know, we'll, we'll look at that. We'll look at that shortly. We'll look at that shortly. Because, see, living in God's kingdom makes certain things um, possible for you. Praise God. I said, praise God. All right, we're looking at verse 7. Let's skip and just go to verse number... Let's go to verse 11. Verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thy enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. All right, can I see this from the NIV? NIV. It says, and have done since, ever since the time I appointed. Uh, 
Go back to verse 10. Maybe let's see if we can get a better. And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. Next verse. And have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people. I want you to observe this. David just thought, David just thought of building God a house. Then God comes and starts talking to David about establishing his people. Who understands that? You know, David's thought when to build God's house, want to build God's house. Then God comes and says, I will establish my people. You know, then he says, something is going to happen in their, in their own life. Just because of your thought. Today, Jesus said to us in the God's word, he says, I will build my church. Then he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail over it. And we know that we are co-laborers with God. Now, we have a responsibility to build God a house. This house is not a house of brick and mortar. This house is the church of Jesus Christ. And as we build that house, just like God said to David, something begins to happen to us. Come on, amen. He said to them, I will give my people permanent residence. I'll give them permanent residence. I'll give them such, such a place that they will not be under the oppression of wicked people. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself shall establish a house for you. Now, this is powerful. God now said to David, you want to build me a house? He said, David, now you, I will build you a house. I'll build you a house. Next verse. Just in the NIV. When your days are over and, your rest, and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. This is amazing. This is amazing. You know, D David was an old man at this time. And God says, I want to show you the future. Come on, amen. I want to show you the future. He says, when you're dead and gone, I will raise your seed. I will raise your son to succeed you. Now, David knows that just because you are king does not mean your son will be king. He knows. Why? Because the one before him was Saul, who was king, and he lost it. He lost it. You know, so he knew that just because I'm here today does not mean that those that are coming after me will enjoy the same thing. But God gave David a promise that was so powerful. And only God can talk about this. Only God can make such a promise. You know, God can make such a promise. A man can say, a lawyer can come to you and say, write your will. We already know that a will can be written and it will not be executed. You know? A reel can be written, written, and all of a sudden when the man dies, I mean, war, war starts out. The children are in court and they are fighting 20 years. You know, 20 years. Nobody has gotten it. But God said, this is God that said. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Who will, who will come from your own body? Then he says, and I will establish his kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. I will establish his kingdom. Next verse. Now, look at this. He says, he is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne, the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, 
Let's look at something. In the scripture, you have what you call the law of double reference. Now, the law of double reference means that sometimes, particularly pertaining to the Messiah, when you see a scripture, it, is, it has double reference. That means, yeah, like the scripture we just read now, it's talking about Solomon directly, but when you look at it prophetically, it's now also referring to the Christ. You know, it's also referring to the Christ. So you see, even though he is talking about Solomon, but when you look at it prophetically, you see the real meaning of that. That is fulfilled in Solomon, but you also see that it's also talking about the Christ. Now, usually, you will see the limits of human um, fulfillment of that prophecy. Let's get that scripture back up. Now, look at something. It says, he is the one who will build, oh, hallelujah. He is the one who will build me. He is the one, he is the one who will build a house for my name. I don't know if you get that. This one, this son, he is the one who will build a house for my name. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? If you look at it, you say, Solomon built a house. I'm not excited about Solomon's house because that house was destroyed. There is another son who is coming and he says, this one will build a house for my name. He will build a house for my name. He will build a house. Not Solomon's house. This is Jesus' house. He says, I will build my church. Then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means this house is a house that will be built and will never be destroyed. Never be destroyed. Solomon's house came cr crumbling down. I mean, it was crashed down. That temple that he built was eventually destroyed. But praise be to God. The church of Jesus Christ can never be destroyed. When Jesus built that church, he built an everlasting house. He says, he will build a house in my name. Why am I excited? Solomon's house was amazing. That temple was amazing, but that temple was destroyed. When Jesus built the church, he built an entity. He built a house that can never be destroyed. Now, he says, and I will establish his throne, the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, for his throne to be established forever, he has to live forever. So, this couldn't be Solomon because Solomon died. And in fact, Solomon's reign, I mean, he died, his son took the throne, and in a few years of his son taking the throne, the kingdom was split. And David only had two out of the 12 tribes. And the other 10 went to Jeroboam, you know, and the kingdom was split. But God said, I will establish the throne of his kingdom. This son that will come out of your loins, he says, this one that will come out of your body, letting us know that the Messiah will be of the lineage of David. And when you study both the genealogy in Matthew and the genealogy in Luke, you see, one took the genealogy from Mary and traced it back. And through Mary's lineage, he was still the son of David. Another took the, the, the genealogy from Joseph. And through Joseph, he was still the son of David. What does that mean? Why did the Bible show us that? So that if you have argument, they say, oh, but his seed did not really come from Joseph. His seed only came from Mary. In the sense that it was the word of God that came. And the woman was, you say, even with Mary, he still, he is still the seed of David letting you know that his claim to that throne is real 
But you know what? He established a kingdom that will reign forever and ever. This is awesome. It couldn't, have been, it couldn't have been Solomon because Solomon died. So this king was a king that was going to live forever. That means if he was going to live forever, his throne will be forever. His reign will be forever. His kingdom will be forever. Praise God. So when Matthew says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, then he says, son of David. He's saying this is the heir of the Davidic covenant. This is the one that that, that that covenant was made when God made that covenant with David to say, I will give you an heir. I will give you a son that will, that will establish a house and will have a throne that will be forever and ever. Matthew was saying, that son came. His name is Jesus. And that house has been built. The name is the church of Jesus Christ. And that throne has been established. And that throne is living and is active now forever and ever. Come on, amen. Glory to God. Let's look at, let's look at um, Daniel chapter 2. You know, this is, this is awesome. It's beautiful when you start knowing that everything in the scripture is about Christ. Everything about, in the scripture is about Christ. You begin to look at the scriptures very differently. Daniel chapter 2. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had dreamt a dream. Let's look at from verse number 45. Daniel chapter 2 from verse 45. He had dreamt a dream and he saw this huge massive image, you know, with a head of gold, you know. Then it just keeps going. Different kingdoms that will come um, after Nebuchadnezzar. And can we see the scripture? Daniel chapter 2 verse 45. Now let's read from verse 45. He says, it says For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut, out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God had made known to the king what shall come to pass. Here, hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. Do you know what this means? Just like God showed David the future, he said, to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, God has shown you the future. Then he says, this prophecy is sure. That means this thing is determined. This thing must happen. Then he says, this interpretation is sure. It's guaranteed. There is no other interpretation. This is the only interpretation. This is the way it is. Then he goes ahead to explain. He says, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that that they should offer an oblation and sweet orders unto him. The king answered Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldest reveal the secret. Come on, praise God. Now, back up a little and, and look, at, look at verse 44. Back up a little, verse 44. Now, when you read from verse number, uh, from verse number 36 all the way to 44, you have the interpretation of the dream. But verse 44 talks about the church. It says, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. 
We shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever and ever. Come on, praise God. That's the church. That's the house of David. That's the house of Jesus. That's the son of David. That's his kingdom. No wonder when Jesus was here, he said, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. What rock was he talking about? Himself. That stone that was caught out of heaven. He was saying that stone has landed. Come on, amen. That stone has landed. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because all these other kingdoms, you know, you talk about the Babylonian kingdom, the Persian kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, you know, the Greek kingdom, the Egyptian, whatever kingdom it is, and including all the systems of this world. He says, they shall not prevail. They shall not prevail. This stone, uh, I, I want to read a, a part of it. Let's look at something. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. And his reign is forever. I say his reign is forever. Let's look at it. Let's look at Revelations. We'll just read two scriptures. Revelations chapter 1, verse number 4. And 1, Corinthians, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Revelation 1, 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. To the seven and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Oh, praise God. His throne, amen? His throne, his king. But he was, he is, and he is to come. That means he is forever. That means he is eternal. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now look at verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You know, you know, you know that's so amazing. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. But how does he dominate now? He dominates through you. He dominates through the church. That means of your reign and of your dominion, there shall be no end. So when you say, when you say, Father, to you be the glory and dominion forever and ever, what you're saying is, Father, I thank you because right here on earth, I am a member of your kingdom and I'm ruling and of my reign and of my dominion is forever. I dominate by your spirit. I dominate by your word. That's what you're saying. You're saying I'm indestructible. I'm saying that this world system cannot take me down. I'm saying that this world system cannot destroy me. I'm saying that I'm part of that kingdom, that part of that kingdom that cannot be destroyed that will not be destroyed and remember remember Daniel said this prophecy is sure 
it is set in stone. It is set in stone. These people, they will not leave their kingdom for another. The Babylonians, they ruled, then they left the kingdom. Another came and took it over. You know, the Medo-Persian kingdom, they ruled, then they left it. The Greeks came and drove them away. When the Greeks ruled and ruled, the Romans came and they took them. But praise God for the church of Jesus Christ. No kingdom will replace the church. No kingdom will replace the church. Every attempt to annihilate the church or to make the church less relevant, it says, it says it's a written prophecy and it is sure there are prophecies that are conditional. This one is not conditional. This one is not conditional. That means when you are a Christian or you are the church in any place and you are going through persecution, you can rest assured there is only one outcome. You triumph. You win. You are part of that family, part of that church that cannot be destroyed. Oh, praise God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And ye are a chosen generation. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. What does that mean, royal priesthood? A kingdom of priests, and a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth, manifest, reveal the multifaceted wisdom of God. Show forth the praises, the excellences of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. I'm not just into his marvelous light. I'm into his everlasting light. You need to remember that. You need to remember that I'm trying to bring something to your, to your consciousness. That the kingdom of God is that kingdom that was promised. That this kingdom, this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And Christ came as the son of David. The heir to that Davidic covenant. And now he has fulfilled all the conditions. And that kingdom has started. And of his reign, of his dominion, of his rulership, there shall be no end. Now, we are not waiting for him to come back so that we can start reigning. No, the Bible says he must reign until. That means the reign has started now. And how is he reigning? Through his kings and through his priests. He is reigning now through the church. He is reigning now through you. And you know what? We are prolific in our consciousness of this truth in such a way that this truth will permeate the whole world. Jesus said to Pilate, he says, for this reason I was born, that I may give witness to the truth, that I may bring into reality, bring into light the consciousness of this kingdom. That's what he said. And praise God, the scripture says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth, grace and reality, the reality of this kingdom. Now I know I'm not living by the news that come from the news agencies of this world. No, I'm a member of God's kingdom. I'm not living by the report that the doctor has given. I'm a member of this kingdom. And this kingdom has come into my heart. This kingdom is activated in my heart. And like that living, that living it and fills every part of the door. Of the door. This kingdom right now is at work in my body. Is at work in my mind. Is at work in my spirit. No part of my body is exempt from this kingdom. I'm an agent of this kingdom. And everywhere I go, like salt, 
I'm bringing savor. I'm bringing flavor. As light, everywhere I go, I show forth the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted wisdom of God. I show forth the praises of God everywhere I go. I'm an agent of change because this kingdom does not come to blend. This kingdom comes to crush. It comes to destroy anything that's not consistent with God's will. Therefore, I declare by God's word and I proclaim peace over the nations. Where there is war, I bring peace. Where there's pain, I bring joy. Where there's sickness, I bring health. I'm a member of this kingdom. And this is it. That's what the Christian life is. That's what the Christian life is. That's who the Christian is. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead and pray in the spirit right now. Pray in the spirit. This kingdom is expanding in you and expanding through you. It's expanding in you and it's expanding through you. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to me, brethren. May I give you an admonition? There are two sides, two sides to the message of the year. Pastor told us what it is for us. Then he told us what it is for the world. Is it for the world is a day and time of decision. And he says for many it will be their final call. Who are these many that it will be their final call? That loved one who is not born again. That sister, brother, neighbor, co-worker, student, child, that's not born again. It may just be their last call. That means it's also a call for us to win souls like never before. Make up your mind that this year, no excuses. No excuses. Prolific in soul winning. Prolific in soul winning. Prolific in soul winning. You must share the word. You must persuade men. Persuade them. Persuade them. Saw something recently. Mercedes Benz invented, engineers in Mercedes Benz company invented the technology behind what we call today. Um, when the car explodes or hits a wall, what is that thing that said again? The airbags. The technology behind the airbags was discovered by Mercedes. The engineers in Mercedes. And they will ram their cars to a wall, to a concrete wall. And the airbag will deploy. And when they perfected the technology, you know what they did? This was something that was going to give them an edge over every other car company in the world. But you know what they did? They took that technology and gave it out to every other car maker for free. They gave it out for free. And when they asked them, why did you do this? They said, some things are too good not to share. Some things are too important not to share. Why did they have to share that technology? Because that technology was a lifesaver. It's not something you keep from somebody else because you are in competition who will sell more cars. 
if their car doesn't have it you know that when there's an accident the chances of death is high so they knew that the airbag technology was salvation they knew that somebody who was supposed to die would not die because of that and they didn't think they should keep it to themselves they thought they should share it you have something that's more important than the airbag technology you have it if you are born again you have it not to share it is wickedness not to share it with your neighbor is wickedness not to share it with your friend not to persuade them not to persuade them this year one of the decisions you make as a Christian is that you'll be prolific in soul winning a prolific soul winner a prolific soul winner lift your hands and talk to the Lord thank you for listening to today's episode 